Come on, let's get into the Bible, shall we? Hope you got your Bible with you and, and, and uh, you make the Word of God. How are you going to find your destiny without a Bible? Beyond me. Uh, Ephesians, <laughs> Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 2. So let's get into it. I started a series on uh, just a couple of me messages, just on uh, destiny's thieves or destiny thieves. It's a good one, isn't it? Eh? So we've talked about destiny and purpose, and uh, <clears throat> then we just pick up where we, where we left off, so you just uh, back up with the play. Then I want to identify what some of the thieves are. I want to catch them out. Okay, we're ready. So we saw in Ephesians 2 and verse 2, it says uh, that you were once uh, uh, alive, you are alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Verse 2, now once we walked according to the course of this world. So the Bible says before we got saved, we had another destiny, we had another path we walked on. We were on a different track. Everyone in the world is on a different track. Say? There's only two tracks. There's the track which is the one the world's following, there's the track God wants us to follow. Real simple. Jesus said, I'm the way. I'm the way down that track. Follow me, you'll, you'll, you'll follow the good track. It's a narrow track. The other one's very wide. Everyone follows the other one. So he says, notice here he says that the, following the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the year, the spirit who works in the children of disobedience. So it tells us then, very simply, that there is a path of life that people without God follow without even realizing it. And it is influenced by wicked spirit beings. And without realizing it, people find their lives drawn to an eternity without God. And they have wasted their life. They've never discovered their destiny, never discovered their purpose. This is the path every unsaved person walks. And notice that there's a spirit behind it. So whatever culture you go into, it's, not the, it's always the same. There's a spirit behind it. And you notice that what gives that spirit power is when people just do not do what God says to do. Works in the children of disobedience. So disobedience, when we refuse to acknowledge God and to walk in his way, then that spirit has ability to work in our life. Okay? Now it tells us there's another path. And it says in Ephesians 2 verse 10, after we've come to Jesus Christ, now we his workmanship created in Jesus Christ to good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Notice this is a walk, a lifestyle, a path leading somewhere. So we saw there's a course the world follows, a destiny, which is eternal loss, destruction. There's another course, it's called walking with God. And that course of walking with God means that he is working on our life to change us. That's one of his major purposes. He doesn't want to make you a better person. He wants to change you completely. He wants his life to flow through us, the life of the Spirit. doesn't want us to be dressed up looking good and trying hard. That's not the Christian life. The Christian life is letting go to God and learning how to yield to the Holy Spirit. So the life of God flows out of us. And then we put our hands to do things. So some people are called to be hairdressers. Some are called to be uh, work in the community. Some are artists. Some are uh, technical people. Yeah, there's a multitude of expressions of that walk. See? To, to fulfill your destiny doesn't mean you become a preacher. That's only some people are called to that. But we're all called to something. And as we walk with the Spirit of God in that place we're called, then we're walking in the destiny God has for us. It's all about what spirit we're yielding to. It's all about whether we follow the culture or whether we follow the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Say that again. It's whether we follow the culture and what it says is good whether we follow the Word and Spirit of God. 
So what will anchor you to destiny is when you learn to follow the Spirit of God. So we'll have to do some things on how to do that a little later, but I want to just keep looking at the area of destiny sleeves. So the first decision we need to make is to receive Jesus. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, then your destiny is eternity without God, a place of suffering, and you have a life without meaning. No matter what you do, it always has an emptiness to it. But uh, once we've made the decision to receive Jesus Christ, we have to then actually choose that we will now begin to get to know him and walk with him. And his plan for us is we would represent him. He wants you to represent him wherever you are in the community. Now, he's a loving God. Therefore, when you are loving to people and serve people and you, you, you have excellence in your life, you're representing Christ. Most of us think of serving God as we've got lots of things we've got to do. But it's actually representing him, carrying him, and letting people experience God in our lives. That's why if you, if you live a compromised, sinful life, you can never fulfill your destiny because you can't, represent, you can't carry the life of God that way. We're to carry the life of the Spirit and express the life of the Spirit. Okay then, now, destiny thieves. So God wants to live in you and work through you and impact people wherever you are. That's his, and the church has got to actually understand this. This is like God is shifting the church. We all know the church has got to change. I'm not sure what it's got to change to. Tell you what it's got to change to. It's got to change to God's people discovering their purpose and starting to fulfill it. Not in a building, but in the community. That's where it's got to be. The miracles in the community, the, the life of God in the community. Wherever you are, God's coming. I was thrilled this week. I heard Peter and Henrietta, and they, they did a, just a brilliant thing in their street. Just gathered all the people up, and they're asking why. We're, they gave them some free sausages and had the musicians in the church there, and the whole atmosphere is full of life in the Kapahaka group. People say, well, what's all this? Hey, simple. We love Jesus. And we love the people in the street. want you to know that, that that's true. Okay then, let's have a look then, and uh, we know the scriptures, so I want to look it up. We're going to look at destiny thieves. In John 10.10, 10, the Bible says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came that we may have life and may have it more abundantly. Now, let me give a definition of a thief. Thief's not the same as a robber. Thief's someone who comes in stealth or secret. A thief is someone who comes in secret to steal something that is very valuable to you. Thief comes to steal something very valuable to you and to do it secretly so you don't know you've been ripped off until afterwards it's already happened. That's the essence of being a thief. So when we talk about destiny's thieves, keep that in mind, that the thief, whatever it is, will come and it will seek to take away from you something of value that belongs to you without you knowing about it. So usually you discover that someone's been in there and stolen afterwards. Hey, where's this? What happened to it? Oh. They come in and they stole from me, see? So a, a thief, that's a thief. So you discover the loss afterwards. A destiny thief is anything. Now get this, a destiny thief is anything that takes you off course from what God planned for your life. A destiny thief is anything that takes you off course, off the course that God planned for your life. You've only got one life to live it, if you go off course, your whole destiny is affected. A destiny thief, it's something that comes in secret. To take away something that's really valuable, to take away your time, your energies, your focus, your life. And you don't realize it's happened until later. That's a destiny thief, say? And see, our responsibility is to discover what God called us to do and then passionately pursue it. We're not called to pursue what others have in mind for our life. 
You're not called to follow someone else's plan for your life. You are unique and must discover what God called you to do. And anything, anything, anything that steals away from you or takes you off course from what God planned for you has stolen away destiny from you. And you didn't know it. And see, most people don't know it. It's only when you get near someone who is passionately pursuing the God-given calling and they've got fire and they've got life and they're focused and they say no to things and they know where they're going. When you meet such a person, you become uncomfortably aware that's not what your life is like. And that's when you realize that something's gone wrong. I've gone off course. That's why I try to keep the passion level, the fire level. try to keep the fire hot in the church. Why? Because when you come in, it begins to realign you. It begins to get you to rethink, where am I now? Because when we go out there, there's thieves in abundance wanting to actually distract you, take you away from what God called you to do. See? That's a destiny thief. And how many, how many believers would you know that were once walking great with God and now they're sidelined? You look at them, their face is dark, their countenance is down, and they're no longer walking in the purpose of God for their life. The glory and joy of the anointing they had on them as they fulfilled God's purpose isn't there. Oh, I've seen heaps of them. And so you, the thing is, what they didn't realize is they got ripped off by a destiny thief. It came in, stole unawares, and they still aren't even aware they're off track. And you know, you know Christians like that. Don't you be one of them. Don't you be one of them. So I was thinking then uh, what we needed to do was to identify. Now, in, in 1 Corinthians 10, it tells us, uh, in the first few verses, it tells us there how the people of Israel came out of Egypt, and they, they were... You know, they were saved by the blood of Jesus. They were water baptized, baptized in the Holy Ghost. They enjoyed the miracle provisions of God. Nevertheless, they blew it. And it gives a whole list of reasons why they blew it. You could pay you to have a look through that because it says it's something for us to learn from. So I, I, I contemplated whether I would uh, go down the track and teach on those ones, but I decided actually not to do it that way. I thought what I'll do, I'm going to just tackle it a little different. I'm going to give you... Uh, four things, and there's heaps more, and you can find them in the Bible. But I want to give you four things I've observed consistently take people off their course. Consistently take them off their course. In other words, over being around for a while, I've seen if you, any one of these things over a period of time has always taken people out. And so let's just, and, and I'm going to put them in uh, not the kind of way that you would normally express. I, don't, I just want you to kind of get to really think of it. And I'm going to give you what the remedy is. Here's, here's number one. Number one. Number one is a broken focus. A broken focus. If you have no focus for your life or the focus you have is broken, you will go off course. The remedy, of course, is to have vision and goals. If you have no vision and have no goals, you have no focus for your life and you'll respond to the next opportunity. So it applies to every area of life. Young people, your finances. If you have no focus, no vision, direction for your life, then the next opportunity to buy something that comes up will break whatever focus you have, and next thing you'll know, you'll be spending your money, and your money goes off track. You see, your money has a purpose, but for it to fulfill that purpose, you actually got to have some focus. And so let me just share you just two or three things about this, and uh, you realize this, that one of the key reasons people fail in life is they cannot maintain focus for any length of time. One of the key reasons people fail is a broken focus. Focus is anything that takes up your time, your energy, or your money. Whatever's taking your time and energy and money, that's what you're focusing on. 
Now let me give you a scripture. I want you to show you a scripture in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Now the focus can be, remember, what you're focusing on. So there's the big picture you're focusing on, then there's lots of other things. It's the little things that eat us out and change our big picture. Here it is. So in, in uh, Mark chapter 4 and verse 18 and 19, you know the story, the parable of the sower. And the sower sowed the seed, the word of God, and had the power to change the person's life, had the power to impart to them direction and destiny. And now you notice here it says about the different kinds of, of, uh, of ground that the dirt for them, the seed fell in. And here it is, verse 18 and 19. Now these are the ones that were sown among the thorns. They heard the word. But the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things come in afterwards and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now notice here, here are people who have had an opportunity to receive the word of God, so they're believers. They've had a chance to hear God's word, and God's word came into their life, that, that we're all in that category. But it says afterwards, other things came in that broke their focus. Other things came in that distracted. Other things came in that actually took them off track. And so instead of actually being fruitful and fulfilling the course God gave them, they were taken off course by the other things coming in. And the Bible uses a picture like this. It says it's like thorns that choke out the destiny of God in you. Things that entered in afterwards. And it, all kinds of things can be your business, can be your family, can be pressures, can be all kinds of things. How many of you ever had a day like this when you started out and you're on your way to do a job and then you suddenly notice there's something else that needed to be doing first. So you went off to do this one here. And then as you were doing that, you oh, I need to fix this up, that tap sleep. And, then you, and before you know it, you've done almost the whole day. And you realize I never even got anywhere near that one that I started at. And you realize a whole day has gone by. You never did anything. The one thing you wanted to do, you never got to do it. That's broken focus. See, that's broken focus. And uh, I've learned hanging around church, you can come down here and you could be busy all day but never actually get done what you need to do. There's so many things can break your focus. So one of the keys to success in life and fulfilling your destiny is to begin to focus your life around what God has called you to do. Now, everyone else got something else for you to do. You've got to find what God called you to do and to be and make that your focus. If you make that your focus and then renew that focus day after day after day after day after day, you will keep realigning with that focus. And you'll keep going in the direction God wants you to go. Broken focus is the reason people fail, probably the most biggest reason people fail. Not because they weren't sincere, not because they didn't mean well, it's because somewhere down the line, their attention got broken and they lost the primary thing. They lost what, they didn't keep the main thing the main thing. See, how do you destroy someone's destiny? How do you steal someone's destiny? You know what the easiest way to do it is? Just give them something else to chew on. You just give them something else to think about. All you got to do is put distraction in there. You give them something else, take them off course. I remember uh, a season here, we had a whole lot of people get saved. And they hadn't had a boy, the woman, a single woman, hadn't had a boyfriend for years. Within three months, all of them had a boyfriend, all of them went off. And I can tell you two things now. One, they were used and abused. Two, that they actually are now no longer with that guy. And another thing, three, three, they've gone totally out of their destiny. They allowed someone the devil sent into their life to distract them, of course. 
Don't you realize if the devil can't stop you getting to heaven, the next thing he wants to do is to remove you out of the path of your destiny. And to do that, he knows the simplest way to do it is to bring something else to get your attention. Someone else, something else, anything that gets you off course. And the only way you can stand up to that is if you actually have a single focus. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 22, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. And so another, he says, if your eye is good, your body's full of light. If your eye is evil, it's full of darkness. In other words, he's saying, whatever you set your vision on or whatever you set your eyes of your inner man upon and begin to meditate upon, your heart and life will focus to that. This is why continually we keep exalting Jesus Christ. We keep, it's very important for us to have the life of the Holy Ghost in the church. Very important for us to pray. Very important for us to worship. Why? Because I want God to be first all the time. I want to keep him right at the forefront of everything we do. And what he's in, because otherwise you go off track and you get caught up with everything else. And I see many churches now and there's no room for the Holy Ghost. None at all. But the Holy Ghost set those people in as overseers. So how come that works if the one who set them in has now got no room in the church? Think about it. Something is off course. It may look good, but it's off course from what God planned. And it's not that things look good. They must be aligned with what God has. So your life could look great to me, but God looks at your heart and knows he's been speaking to you, tugging you, calling you for something, and you have not been responding. You are off course. You may look fine on the outside, but inside, you're not going right. And this is a personal issue between you and God. So distractions, what's distracting you? So to keep your focus, you have to actually, see, to keep your focus, you've got to continually renew your vision. You've got to continually get your vision back in front of you again. Where am I going? What am I doing? So for young people, it means you need to set goals. You need to have goals for your finance, goals for your education, goals for your personal relationships, goals for your character. If you don't set those, then what will happen is anyone who comes along who's influential will take you where they want you to go and you'll go off course. You either own your life or someone else is going to take you where you don't want to go. You have to think this. Now, this is the same for everyone here. See, uh, if we don't have a plan, for example, for our money or in our finances, then the pressure of advertising will bring you into debt. Many in the church today are in debt. And they're in debt for this reason, because they, they lost their focus on what they intended to do, and they ended up going away and ended up, well, how did I get here in such a mess? So, you see, marriages, marriages start off great, and then they end up years later, it's a mess. You think, what happened? We were so happy. They would hold one of those hands, and, oh, I love you. Let's all together for life. And then about five years later, they're all sort of fighting one another, you know? Well, what happened? Well, they lost their focus on building a covenantal loving relationship didn't do they lost the focus they got busy with other things and there's a cost to make it work you know you got to play the part so uh, there's many examples in the Bible let me just you two or three uh, in, in Nehemiah 6 verses 2 and 3 uh, Nehemiah was called to build a wall by God and what happened was the devil the, these people come and said oh, listen come on down we don't agree with what you're doing there's a bit of an argument why don't you stop what you're doing and come down and have a talk he said no way so this God called me to do it I'm not stopping to talk to anyone carried on just ignore them. Nehemiah's full of people trying to distract him. He says, nope, 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 nope. It's a great work I do. It's a work of God. I'm not going off course. I love it. Uh, another one uh, that was like that is, uh, is found in Philippians 3, verse 13 to 14. And that's Paul. This one thing I do, forgetting things which are behind, reaching out towards the things which are before. I press towards the mark for God's call on my life. He said, this one thing, I'm focused on it. When they tried to get him off focus in Acts 20, 24, he said, listen, None of these things move me. 
I am determined I will finish the course that God set me out on. And they're telling him, listen, you go to that city, you get persecuted. They won't give you a love offering and they won't bless you and honor you. They're going to put you to death. He said, none of this moves me. God has called me to go there. I'm going there. What a spirit that is. What a spirit. Oh, do you love that? And Jesus in Luke 9, 51, it says, he steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem, even though he knew that at Jerusalem he would suffer and die, be tortured to death on the cross. Even though he knew that, he steadfastly set his face to go there. See, a man of focus, nothing's going to take him off course. For this cause was I born into the world to die on the cross for humanity. See, see, that's what, that's what purpose does to you. That's what destiny does to you. You know where you're going and you have a confidence about where you're going. Nothing takes you off. Nothing took him off course. Isn't that good? So anything that breaks your focus uh, on what God called you to do is an enemy. Anything that breaks your focus on what God called you to do is your enemy. It's a destiny thief. Anything that helps you stay on what God wants for your life is a friend. Friends, they've got to realize that, eh? Okay then, all right now. So don't drift. Set a direction for your life. Take time to ask God for direction. Take time to lay out direction. Pray over your direction. Put your plans in the hand of the Lord and then begin to pursue passionately the things he's put on your heart. Set goals to do it. Keep renewing the goals, renewing the focus. That means probably, you know, every now and then, like on a practical basis, you just every week you look at your goals. Every month you look where you're going. Now, these are, everyone in motivation knows this works. The Christians seem to have lost the fact that it's a part of living a focused life, part of living a life that fulfills destiny. You need to know where you're going and then lay out the plan as best you know and start to move steadily towards it. Okay, number one. So broken focus, the remedy is vision and goals and to become accountable. Here's number two. Number two, passivity. Passivity. In other words, I've got lots of words for it. It says in Ecclesiastes 5.3, a dream comes about because of the multitude of business. You don't get a dream fulfilled by sitting around. You've got to work. You've got to do something. You've got to get busy. You've got to get busy. Idle people are not fulfilling their destiny. They're wasting their time, like burning up $100 notes. See, so a person, now let's just say passivity. Let me give you a couple of other definitions. Let's first of all define passivity. A passive person is not actively involved or participating. A a passive person, you're not active. You're not actively getting involved. See, sometimes people come to church and they're passive. They sit there. We're all worshiping. They're doing nothing. That's passivity. Everyone's clapping. They're just sitting there. That's passive. Not actively participating. Passive. Now, actually, if you have a look, that's what's over our nation. Passive. Oh, she'll be right. Don't worry. That's what's over the nation. So, you see, if that thing that sits over the nation is a destiny thief, you have to hate it. You have to hate it. Let me give you some other words. Lazy is another word that goes with that. Very closely, passive and laziness go together. Okay? And, and lukewarmness goes with that one too, because a lukewarm person is very passive. Okay? Think about it. Lukewarmness. Passive, half-hearted, ho-hum. See, I don't like that. Ho-hum people aren't going to get anywhere, are they? Are you a ho-hum person? Got a big case of the blahs? I I avoid people like that or challenge them. I don't want to stay around them. 
It's infectious. It's a deadly disease. <laughs> it's a destiny thief too. See, See so Hebrews 6, 12, it says, don't be slothful or lazy or half-hearted. Sister, but be followers of those or imitators of those who through faith and patience got a hold of God's promises. So it tells us what to do. Don't be half-hearted. Find people who are passionate and follow them. Copy what they do. See? See, because they're doing something you're not doing. See, so the Bible says, find people who are men of faith. Find people who are full of passion. Find people who are full of fire. Find people who can hang in there when it's tough and says, copy the kind of lifestyle they have. Don't copy the crowd. The crowd are apathetic, half-hearted. See, so, so you see, whatever we do, I don't like half-hearted. That's why I couldn't even stand. I couldn't stand the thought of a, uh, an Easter production half-hearted. Oh, I can't even stand half-hearted clapping. It just, I'd rather there was no clapping than half-hearted. It just is, oh, there's no life in it. It, it manifests a spirit. It's the manifestation of a spirit. That's why I don't like it. Whereas fervent spirit and passionate, that brings life and energy. Things happen around people like that. You've got to change. You don't have to be. That's not a personality thing. But you can be a, a, a quieter person, but there's a fire burning inside you. What you do, you know, I've talked to people who are quiet people, and then you get them on about the thing they're passionate about. Oh, their eyes, there's a blaze in there. Whoa, you, you can see they're alive in it. Come alive. You know, they've got a passion burning inside them. See, so slothful means that one's burned bright, but it's lost the fire. So we need people who are slothful don't please God. Lazy people don't please God. Look at this one here. You'll love this here. I, I should do a whole message on this whole thing of laziness. Laziness is a bit different from slothfulness. A lazy person just is undisciplined. They don't want to do anything. But the slothful person, he's just half-hearted. He got, he's got a bad attitude. See? The other one just needs a good, you know, whatever to get him going. And... Uh, they were about to take that away. <laughs> I think you know what I mean. You read between the lines. <laughs> They're good. Get, get going, don't they? See, look at this. Proverbs 26, verse 13. Now, here's the lazy man or the slothful man. This is what he talks like. He said, there's a lion in the road. In other words, he makes excuses. You find a man making excuses, you'll find a lazy man. I don't like excuses. Find ways, find solutions. Don't give excuses, find solutions. They, so the lazy man finds excuses. Yeah? He, says, uh, he says, like a door turns on its hinges, so does the lazy man on his bed. So that la- is he's sleepy and tired, no energy, listless. Oh, oh, you can see the symptoms here. Uh, he buries his hand in the bowl and it worries him to bring it to his mouth. So he's got no energy and he won't take up responsibility. So the kind of thing you find of a lazy man, he's full of excuses, won't take responsibility, blames others. Don't be passive. Another way, now in a car, I'll tell you what we've got. We've got this thing called cruise control. I like cruise control when I'm driving because I can become a bit more passive. <laughs> Don't have to have the, have to, I'll go too fast if I have my foot on the accelerator, see? So if I want to keep it, I just take it off, take it off, take it off, because I'm wound up thinking about things, I'll just go faster. So I have to, with the cruise control, I like it. But see, but a lot of people, that's the way they run their life, they're on cruise control. Hey, you're never going to fulfill you. That's a destiny thief, cruise control. You know, it's going to steal away from you your life. So don't be passive, don't have cruise control. We need to actually, here's the key, here's the answer. Take responsibility, take initiative, and apply yourself. Take responsibility. You've got to make some choices to change. Take some initiative to meet with people, connect with people who are different. Follow them, imitate them, copy them, get around the people that are on fire. 
And you get on, I love being like that. Man, I've been around some people, and boy, when I get near them, I just feel wound up. I go away afterwards. And what you feel is you feel challenged. You feel a bit insecure because they're, they're more onto it than you are. And so you feel a bit challenged on the inside. That's good for you. You go away and think, man, I've got to do that. You get near someone who's really, they're burning and they're in a, in a series of praying and fasting. And they're going for it. And they're being praying and they're touching God. You know what I come away thinking? Man, I've got to pray more. I've got to pray more. I've got to pray more. See, people like that stir you up. You need people like that around your life. Not a lot of slackers. Slackers, the Bible says, for slackers, don't even feed them. Let them go hungry. When they get hungry enough, they'll work. It's true. No one owes you anything. Get up and work. Do something. Okay, here we go. Here's another one. Self-preservation. Self-preservation. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22, 27. Matthew 16. I better quickly move. We're going to run out of time on this. Matthew 16. Here it is. Now, I've called it that, okay, because it, I could have called it a lot of other things. I call it self-preservation. Look at this one here. Now, Jesus was talking in verse 21. Uh, how he was going to suffer and die and uh, be killed and raised from the dead. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, oh, have pity on yourself, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned to him and said, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're not, you're not mindful of the things of God, the things of man. He just spotted a destiny thief. He spotted a destiny thief and he called it Satan. This is not, this is, he's talking to one of the future apostles. You devil, you! What on earth had Peter done suddenly? What had he done or what had he said that caused Jesus to instantly react because it was a destiny thief? This is what he said. Pity yourself. Look after yourself. Don't put yourself out. Don't, none of this death and sacrifice stuff. Listen, we, we can have God and the miracles and we don't need to lay our life down. We don't need a cross. We don't need any kind of thing about the cross. We, we just want power and meetings and good things happening, but, but don't talk about the cross. Don't talk about dying. I don't want to hear about dying. I want to hear about living. I want to hear about being famous. You're going to ruin everything. We've got crowds. We're becoming important people. Man, we've got a reputation. We've got a ministry now. We've got a following. There's things happening. You're talking about dying? See? That's the natural mind. See, the natural mind is committed to preserve ourselves. Here's, what it def here's the definition of it. To preserve yourself from possible harm or loss or injury. To spare yourself from hardship, conflict, or difficulties. So self-preservation is an inbred tendency to save my skin. From any harm, conflict, difficulties, or pain, or hardship. Is that describe the Church of the West? Does it indeed? It actually describes a lot of what's being preached in the West as well. Gospel without the cross. See, this is what Jesus said. If anyone desires to come after me, or let's put it another way. If anyone has felt the call of God to fulfill an eternal destiny, then he must follow me because that's the only way it's going to work out. You won't discover your destiny doing your own thing. It's never doing your thing apart from God. It's always found in following the Lord. When we follow the Lord, we partner with Him in the thing He called us to do. And in that following of Him, we outwork our destiny. And He says, if you're going to follow me, this is what it means. You will need to say no to yourself at times. And you will need to take up a cross. 
It will actually put to death some things in your life. Oh, was there another way? Give me another way. I want another way. I want an easier way. Just want to come along and just cruise along. Listen, that's not what Jesus said. You want to fulfill your destiny? He said, this is the path. It's by the cross. It's actually going to cost you something. And see, and Jesus, uh, Peter's response, you see, Peter's, see, here's the thing. The nature, our nature is to save ourselves, self-preservation. God's nature is love to sacrifice self. Because God knows that if he sacrifices himself, he's got the power to raise up whatever was given away and, re and reproduce it and enlarge it. So when Jesus died on the cross, God got the power to raise him up. People hurt him. He's got the power to heal him and then restore the people and save the people that were, hurt, that were hurting him. You see, so essential in the nature of God is essentially his nature is to give and to sacrifice. God so loved the world, he gave, he sacrificed. So if we are to represent Christ in the earth, I'm not talking about just going to church and being a good Christian, doing your thing. If we are to bring Christ to people, we have to let go controlling our life and trying to run our life and learn how to surrender and yield to the life God gives. It's not a hard thing. It's a great thing because you, you have joy, you have peace, right? you have fulfillment. It's good stuff. Does it cost? Yeah, there's a part where you don't like dying. None of us like dying. But it's actually through the cross that resurrection comes. See, this is, this is the meaning of water baptism. See, we've crucified with him. We identified Jesus died. My life, living the selfish life, is over. I died with him on the cross. I was buried in the waters of battle. Now I'm standing up and I live a different kind of life. But what happens is with the multitude of Christians is we want to run our own life and live our own life and we don't actually unite with Jesus to let his life come through us. When his life comes through, there is love and there's giving and there's compassion, there's surrender, there's commitment. There is actually an outworking of something in our life. Not such a big hard thing at all. It's a wonderful thing. David, our tendency is to want to not want to save ourselves. We, we kind of think like this. What do I get out of this? What's in this for me? What's in this for me? Instead of saying, what's God got out of my life? What's in this for God? See, when, when Jesus gave his life for you, gave everything. What does he get out of it? Well, you choose what he gets out of it. And see, if we, we'll just surrender to him. We'll yield to him. See, we just want to run our own life so much. In, my, in Luke 5, 59, it says, suffer me first, me first. But it's all about me first. That's why so we had seasons where we pray for people. Then we had seasons where we actually haven't been praying for them because everyone wanted you know, someone to supernaturally do something for them instead of actually surrendering to the processes of God and actually learning how to walk with God. Learning how to repent, learning how to believe, learning how to be established in a relationship with God. So to fulfill my destiny, I've got to do this. I've got to, one, begin to trust God. And trusting God means I'm willing to let go, trying to control everything to save myself. See, when I try to save myself, what it means is I don't believe God can be trusted. The only one that can be trusted is me. So I will control my finances, control my marriage, control my life, control everyone around me to make it safe for me. There's no life of God in that. It's just as dead as a dodo. And what God calls us to do is to die to that, trying to save our life by controlling everything around us and learn how to trust and let go to him. Do you want to do that? Oh no, that's where the cross comes. There's a part of us who wants to hang on 
hang on, hang on till the last very bit. I can remember many times weeping as I died to something I felt I wanted to do and let God have his way and found it was a better way. I was so convinced what I had was better. Then it turned out it wasn't. We have to settle. See, so, so what it means is you've got to settle, number one, we've got to begin to deepen our trust. Because Hebrews 11, 6, how can I walk with God if I don't begin to trust him to work things out? Okay, second thing is I've got to settle the issue of ownership. Do you own your life or does he own your life? Are you a steward of your life or are you the owner of your life? If you're the steward of your life, let God have more room to move with you. Open up your home. Open up your family. Open up your finances. Open up your heart. Open up, open up. Give God room to move. Give God room to be God through you to people. Some lives are so tight and so restricted and so confined, there's no room for God to move. We're we're, we're actually not fulfilling our destiny at all. We're not representing what he's like. He's generous, so be generous. He's abundant, be abundant. He's focused, so be focused. He's holy, so be holy. So we represent him right. Here's the last one here. Finish this last one now. Here's the last one. Uh, and there's, I know there's others, but these ones I just felt my heart to, to bring because these are actually ones you can really identify with. And you know what I look at? I look at where people went off the rails. I found it was always around these things here. And you know, you speak into their life. At the very point they could change, they become offended and walk away. You think, what a shame. You walked out of your destiny because you weren't willing to just surrender to Jesus in that area. Okay, here's the last one here. Dangerous people. Dangerous people. Could you spot one if you knew it? And the remedy here, of course, so the remedy for self-preservation is commitment and that we sacrifice. We begin to lay our life down for the Lord. The remedy for dangerous people is godly relationships. In Proverbs 13, 20, whoever walks with wise men will be wise. So who you hang out with does affect where you go. Companion of fools is destroyed. So your friends have a huge influence on the way you think and on your values and then on what you do and ultimately on your destiny. Young people want to hear that one. Your friends, if I know who you're mixing with, I know what you'll be up to or about to do. It's true. Even in the church here, I watch people come in and I see who they connect with and I know what they're up to and what, or what they're about to do. Because you hang out with people, birds of a feather flock together. You heard that one? Birds of a, rebels flock together. Unclean people flock together. Drinkers flock together. That's always the way it is. Godly people flock together too. Here it is. I'll just finish this very quickly now. Dangerous means something that causes risk or injury or harm. Something that's unsafe. Dangerous. What represents a danger to your destiny? Some people represent a danger to your destiny. Some people do. You say, which people? <laughs> which people? I tell you, I can identify some of them for you. And, and once you realize, it's really quite simple. You see, what happens is we have this wussy, vague, sort of woolly, sort of love. It's not love. You know, this funny feeling of just feelings of love the world. You know, that's not it. You know, the hippie days, they did that smoke dope. Well, we love everyone. You know, tolerate everything. That's not real love. That's not God's view of love. Maybe do a series on love sometime. That's not God. Love speaks the truth. Love actually acts in the best interest of people. So here's the kind of people that to me are dangerous people. People that feed your offenses. People, you know, some people are full of offense. And when you get near them, suddenly you find you're being offended. They're, they're, they're reminding you of people that have upset you. Before you know it, you, you, your offenses are rising and coming back to life again. 
That's a dangerous person because pretty soon they'll take you out of your destiny. Offended people tend to stir up your own offendedness. And you've just done all this effort to get to a place of forgiveness and suddenly they rack it all up again. Before you know it, you're all offended again. People like that are dangerous. They take you out of the positioning of God. Here's another people that feed your weaknesses. People that feed your weaknesses. Oh, it's okay. Everyone's doing that. Don't worry about it. Well, you know, God understands us. You know, it's just being human, you know. All of that kind of nonsense feeds your weakness. Okay? You want to find what God says about a lot of things and, and follow what God says. Not what people are saying, not what the crowd are saying, what God says about your issues. Are people that feed your fears and insecurities. But what if? What, 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 what? But I don't know whether you can trust God with that. Don't go too far, you know. Don't get too religious. Don't get too serious. Don't get too committed, you know. Don't do too much. It's a little bit of religion's fine, but, but just don't go too much. See? Well, I found an interesting thing. I found when I wasn't a Christian, I was condemned for not being a Christian. When I was a Christian, I was condemned for being too passionate. I really, it doesn't matter. Just follow what God wants. Follow what God wants. Just do what God wants. See? So, so people who feed your unbelief. Now, some people are full of unbelief. You hang around people who are full of unbelief, you'll be full of unbelief. Some people are full of unbelief. They talk about themselves all the time. They can, actually, you can recognize when people are full of unbelief. They complain a lot. They complain. Full of complaint. You find someone's full of complaining, that's an enemy. Just be careful. Too much time with them, they'll take you off course. You'll become a complainer. Those who feed you compromise. Those who feed you compromise. Those who say, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it, you know? Don't worry about it. Young people, this is the thing. You've got to guard yourselves. There's a whole heap of kids out there who will feed that compromise thing, and they will be destiny thieves for you. You've got to realize the devil can send someone into your life so sweet-looking, so nice-looking, and their sent and their one assignment in life is to take you away from what God called you to do and to be. When we're in, I'll finish now. When we're in, uh, in Nigeria, we're in a place there, tremendous move of God. We've seen miracles, blind eyes open, deaf ears, everything like that. But you know, in the middle of it all, there was something we saw. Uh, they had in some of the meetings, they would call the fire of God down. And when the fire of God came down, everyone who was uh, an occult practitioner or involved in witchcraft or wizardry or anything like that would immediately shake and then be struck to the ground. It was wonderful. I loved it. And we would go around with the TV cameras and look. Oh, oh, oh this is good. God, you got him. Awesome. And, and they were struck to the ground and they were bound hand and foot. They were bound like this. Now, no, no, no natural bindings. They were just like this and their legs crossed. No, no way to move. Stuck. Absolutely stuck. And they were stuck like that until the prophet prayed for them to be freed up, which he never did for about three days. Make them stay there, would feed them, look after them, and, uh, and they would share the gospel with them. And, and before, before, before he would pray for them, he would pray for them all to be freed up. So we'd go there, and there's this pile of people lying on the ground, all like they've been tied up like prisoners. There's, there's no chains, there's no ropes, there's nothing. They're just on the ground, and they're tied up. And, uh, and, and then there'd come a certain point in the meeting, and then he'd come over to them. And before he released them, he made them confess why they were there and what the spirits in their life were assigned to do. And one by one, every one of them would confess their sins. They'd confess faith in Jesus Christ, turn away from their sin, and then he would pray for them. They'd be set free. This is what the kind of thing they said. Oh, my spirit that's with me has been sent to impart venereal diseases that can never be healed. Or oh, the spirit sent with me is sent to work with me to attack all men of God and destroy their ministries. 
One by one, they spoke up what the assignment was. And you think, no one comes into your life to take away your destiny? Why would you be so special that the devil would leave you alone and not assign someone to take you away from where God wanted you to be, doing what he called you to do? You see, anyone like that or anything like that is a destiny thief. And the Bible tells us, if we finish that scripture, Matthew 16, Jesus then goes on to say that when he comes, he will reward those who've walked with him. What a great day. A day of great reward. What a day. There will come a day for every one of us when if you have followed that course, walk God's purpose for your life, run your race, finish your course, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and enter the joy that I have prepared for you. Oh, what a day. I dream of that day and live for that day. Close our eyes. Father, we just thank you today for your presence here. Thank you, Lord. You're challenging us to be vigilant, alert, and to walk in the presence and purpose of God. I pray for every believer in Bay City that everyone here would feel the grip of the Holy Ghost, the urgency to become focused in their life. I pray, Father, that every person here would begin to build a focus, dream things that you've called them to do. I pray, Father, every person here would begin to discover the power of godly relationships to help fulfill that dream.